Hello and welcome back to series three of the Smile Revolution podcast brought to you by Smile Revolution. I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist. This podcast is created for you, the dental profession, to inspire you through the content shared by the wonderful interviewees. And for sure, we need this more than ever during this time in isolation. This podcast is dedicated to oral health promotion with a mission to inspire dental hygienists, dental therapists and the dental profession now and in your career moving forward all around the world. COVID-19 has had such an impact on the dental profession. My heart goes out to each and every one of you whose lives have been impacted in varying degrees. Throughout this series, we will be sharing content on how to open doors of opportunity during this time. The poignant dental professional I had the pleasure of interviewing for this recording was Siobhan Kelleher, a multi-award winning dental hygienist, dental business coach and mentor. On today's show, we speak about many aspects of Siobhan's dynamic career path that has the potential to plant many seeds for you to think about and utilize now whilst out of a clinical setting, despite having recorded this prior to being in isolation. I'm sure you're going to be inspired to think out of the box through our conversation. Through listening to our conversation, I hope you learn, gain inspiration and ideas for furthering your career path, supporting oral health promotion to achieve oral health for all. Siobhan, welcome on to the Smile Revolution podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show. Thanks, Victoria, and thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, well, I really am so happy to have you on. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners, certainly if they've not met you, know of you, Siobhan, because you've been a prominent figure for many years within our profession, certainly within the UK and Ireland. And I look forward to speaking to you further now about your we decided to maybe speak about your working month and, and what that is for you at the moment, Siobhan. So do you mind just taking you taking us through a working month in the life of Siobhan? A working month at the moment is a little bit crazy, Victoria, but it's all wonderful. So first and foremost, I'm a dental hygienist working in practice. So I have my own practice within a practice. And how that developed or how that came about was I relocated to Ireland eight years ago and that was in the middle of a recession and there were no available jobs at the time. So there was a surgery free from a dentist that I kept badgering to uh, give me the opportunity and I said, let me take the room on and I'll develop a practice within your practice. So we started with not even one patient and literally put a sink, put everything in, and it developed from there, really. So first and foremost, a dental hygienist. Then um, I've gone back to do a master's in coaching, and you know that I've been doing some consultancy and mentoring over the last few years. I do. So going into practice and helping teams 
develop different areas, largely implementing dental hygiene departments within the dental team. So training from the dentists. Um, the dental hygienists sometimes maybe need a little bit of training on equipment, but they do largely know what to do. And it's really like bringing it back to how we were trained in the hospital. Because I feel when we go out into whatever happens between the hospital and out into practice, there's a lost message, would you agree? So there's still largely this ref scale and polish, which yeah. are, you know, I know about quite a lot. So it's about going in and explaining that. And our profession is like, it's only a hundred years old, less than a hundred years old. So it's a relatively new profession. And I feel it hasn't really been molded correctly. And so we need a lot of change. Um, and I think we, obviously the smile revolution is working on that. And there's lots of hyenas trying to make change out there. So that's part of the training that I would do in dental practice to try and change that. And when these changes are implemented, it's such an easy working life for the whole team. Yeah. And I, I, I think you just highlighted you know, one particular point that we're probably all very conscious of, but it is that transition from dental school to the real life in clinic, where we try and encompass everything we've learned and then apply it within the clinical setting. But it is such a challenge. But then going through that, and I feel that can be such a resistance. And I know from reading many forums and speaking to colleagues, that is the resistance and actually breaking through that resistance to come back to what you've just said about making it an easy working life, a fulfilling working life. That's really the key, isn't it, Siobhan? Absolutely. And one thing that is emerging at the moment is because Dental hygienists go into this and they're, you know, the personalities or, you know, the characters that they are, they're really caring profession. Absolutely. I've been working in these systems that they're pushed, they don't have the time, they're not able to do the job that they really want to do. So what's emerging through the coaching that I'm doing at the moment is that a lot are on the verge of burnout. Yeah. And I think quite serious for us to have a look at. So where I suppose 25 years I've been looking at, you know, communication behavior with the chair side with the patient. My focus is really now looking at the clinician and really quite concerned about what's happening there. Interesting, yeah. Um, and where's that going to lead? And I think we need to look at a bigger picture. And, you know, I don't know whether that's going to be through policy working with hospitals to look at this down filtering through. And it's not just dental hygienists and therapists, it's um, the dentists as well. So it's quite a concern, I think, at the moment. Yeah. Our well-being as clinicians needs to be really foremost so that we can go back to what you were doing previously in working on the behavioural change and the clinicians being effective, I guess, in what we're doing and how we're communicating with patients. And if we're not, I guess, that living example of health and well-being and feeling fulfilled and minus any clinical resistance that we could be essentially facing, we can deliver what we're meant to deliver and very capable of delivering, I guess, so much, so much better in a better way. 
Absolutely. And that's why the NSK Ikigai program came about, because General Callaghan and I went to an NSK opinion leader in Germany, and we were there with a lot of periodontists and people from all over the world. And this kept emerging all the time, that clinicians are just not working, you know, they're not working to their full potential. And why are they not working to their full potential? Um, and that's how the program came about. So it's very important to me at the moment, and it's really working alongside the coaching. And it's really where I want to be because I really do feel like I can try and bring some change about. So whether it will be in my, my lifetime or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> at least. <laughs> Certainly, I know you, you're always making an impact on our profession. So I think it's already, well, I know it's already happening. And it's something so close to my heart. And again, the reason for the Smart Revolution podcast to share stories from such eminent clinicians like yourself with so much experience to support others in career development that are, as you've identified just in our conversation you're working on, is helping prevent that burnout and, and maybe not working to their full potential. We we did a podcast recording actually that was released last week with Fiona Elwood speaking on mentoring and you know and finding what is passionate to you as a clinician and and running with that to find that full potential as such is one thing that I am very interested in. And I mean with your coaching you you decided to embark on a master's. Yes. Can you just because, talk me through your decision-making process in why you did that? Okay, so in dentistry, every advice we do or, you know, every system that we implement, then we have to have the evidence to back it up. Absolutely. So the coaching, so really the coaching, what I was doing before was consultancy and mentoring it wasn't really coaching and I didn't really fully understand that till I went back to do the masters because down through the years I was constantly be given advice or I'd be in practice and somebody would come in, you know, to give us training and you'd be I was often sat there saying, Well, we knew all that already. So people do have these ideas within there and it's just reaching in, asking the questions, having the conversation and bringing out the potential, whether it's within the individual or within the dental team itself. That's in, yeah. Because then they're uncovering, of course, their own ideas, their own thought process, their own uniqueness, which is something I feel very passionate about. Everybody has their unique qualities to bring to the dental profession. And that's the beauty of us as a dental profession is there are so many individuals that can bring something different that can excel us. Through the coaching, you're doing this. And where have you, how far into your master's are you? So I've nearly got a year done. I'll be doing the dissertation next year. So at the moment, I'm doing pro bono work. I'm working with a lot of clinicians at the moment from around the world, actually. Um, and one thing is that is emerging is this burnout. And it seems to be a common thread throughout. And these are some amazing clinicians that really have potential, but are kind of locked in in the practices. 
So it's about trying to support them to have a think, how can they make changes? What can they do? How can they bring it forward? Um, and it's really working very well. It's very successful. So it's it's been an absolute fantastic learning journey for me. And I really feel I'm where I should be at, which is fantastic. That's wonderful to hear because that's essentially what you're working with other colleagues to get to through the coaching. And the coach. Do you and do you find you learn a lot from them as well through the coaching yourself? My goodness, absolutely. Yeah, we've got some really smart people out there with great ideas. Uh, it's very exciting to support them to unlock that and bring it out there to us. You know, I suppose down through the years, I pushed and fought through the barriers within dentistry and. I was very fortunate to have some really good mentors when I started out, you know, when I, first of all, you know, I did dentalized practice management. Um, so I knew how things could be. So it was very difficult when I relocated and I can remember relocating to London and I was telling some of the girls on a course recently, I worked in about 20 different practices and my husband said, oh my goodness, Siobhan, can you not keep a job down? And I was saying, well, I can keep the job down. I just don't want to because they're not willing to change. And I just can't work in that environment. So I was having a laugh saying to them, and I was wondering why he didn't propose to me. <laughs> <laughs> what, you think that was the reason? <laughs> I eventually found a, a fantastic practice. I did get married in the end. And then he, and but, then he proposed. <laughs> Settle when I knew there was another way. It was very difficult. You know, you do implement these different systems and put them into practice. Like I say, it is easier for everybody across the team and for more productive. So it's just about getting that message out there, isn't it? And more training, you know, mentoring, coaching, whatever it takes, really. Yeah. And can I just ask you from your experience now, I mean, what advice would you give to anybody recognizing that they do need to change something? What would be their first stepping stone to work towards that change if they are facing that resistance in practice? Well, if they're not too sure how to approach it within the practice with the principal or the practice manager or who you know whoever's solely responsible, I would say reach out to somebody that has made changes. You know, I'm quite happy for anybody to reach out to me. I know they reach out to you, Victoria. I probably get a few emails or messages a week about, you know, hygienists asking me what would I think about this or that and just trying to support them that way. Yeah. I think reaching out, you know. Yeah. And colleagues and again and again through the podcast, you know, I, you know, people are so willing to connect with people. And I think maybe that's something we've been reluctant to do. How are we going to be um, perceived? Are, are they going to say no? It doesn't matter if anyone says no. You know, at least you've taken that leap to ask somebody. And if that person can't help you at that point, call, reach out to somebody else. Well, I'm always asking. I'm still asking. Nobody's ever said no. I find people are very willing to help. You know, there's... There's a great support network out there if you reach out at all. Yeah. And some really good forums and things there that, you know, you can tap into. The other thing is maybe just getting a coach to soundboard your own ideas, you know? Yeah. 
No, no, absolutely. And it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning, you know, how caring our profession is. You know, we care so much, don't we, about patients. And that's what the joy is of being in this profession of hygiene, being a hygienist or a therapist in, in the dental profession. So yeah, I think that emanates and supports certainly what you've just said. Now, you've speak, spoken a lot about the coaching. I know you also did business consulting, or you, or you do and you continue to do and you have done for many years. How did that come about, Siobhan? Um, I suppose I was working in a practice and we'd had a lot of training and the systems were really working well. Then when I relocated, they would ask me to come back if anybody new came in to show them the way. Then word went around, so it was something that developed organically. Really, I, you know, I didn't really start it myself. And then I don't largely advertise it or anything, but it is word of mouth. They say, you know, it's working, so they phone, just say, can you can come in and give us a hand. It has developed uh, even further now because um, I own Dental CPD Expert with Kelly O'Shaughnessy. So we just ran our conference this weekend. It's our fifth year. So, Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it went really well. Um, as you know, these things take a lot of time to organize. Um, and then we do smaller courses, but we also go into practice and we've got lots of topics that we can cover. So it can be from dental nurse reception training to dental hygiene to one of the ones I would do with dentists doing that first consultation and how to cover everything and be confident about taking photographs and how to go through that with the patient. So we cover a lot of areas. We've been in dentistry a long time. Kelly's a lecturer, so um, she's got, got lots of topics that she covers. And for the listeners, if they're interested to hear or learn more about this conference, it is called the... Walk, Walk the, the Talk, talk. <laughs> conference. <laughs> so look out for the Walk the the talk conferences around <laughs> that, that, that came about because we did a lecture in scotland kelly and i and then the ne next seminar we said oh we'll call it walk the talk but then instead of dental cpd conference everybody kept saying when's walk the talk on again and it just took off and now that's what everybody asks for so that's how that was created how exciting Victoria. We'll see you over in Limerick next year. Oh, I'd love to come. I'd love to come. I feel I, I, I don't necessarily attend. I cannot ever underestimate or I never can stop sharing the value of going to a conference and seeing people face to face. I'd be at everyone every weekend if I could because I enjoy it that much. But at this moment in time with my babies, I do find it a bit challenging. <laughs> Circulating as many as I'd like to go to. It's just great for networking, isn't it? Is it? And so important. And recapping and just confirming that what you're doing every day is correct. When our conference is about bringing the team together and it's about the nuts and bolts of everyday training. It's what we're doing in practice every day. So we bring in lots of equipment. This time we had a live surgery. So we just try and keep it to the nuts and bolts. Yeah. And we listen to our it's whatever they want so this is why we say our valuation is so important so they give us a subject or a topic we'll go away investigate it source the best speakers it's always hands-on or group work that we involve in the day yeah 
Well, that's so important. And the nuts and the bolts, I think everyone, all listeners can relate to. That's what we want to know about, isn't it? Because that's what's real happening every day. Now, Siobhan, as we can hear already, or you can hear listeners, Siobhan's been involved in so many different aspects of dentistry. And one thing I'd like to touch on is I really think, and I know you, you think out of the box. You spoke to me about the spot check that you worked on. Can you just share that with the listeners, please? Because I think it's so different and something we should be thinking about more. So, as you are, I'm really interested in behaviour change. Absolutely. Um, We spend a lot of time and we can go through our open-ended questions. But I wanted to do something to heighten awareness that we really have to think outside the box here because we don't always get 100% do your chair side or you know sometimes are you checking your notes saying I'm sure I've said that quite a few times before so I just do a little documentary called spot check and what that is is that with a patient they sign up so for years I would have always sent a text saying don't forget your green brush on your lower right six at the front where I showed you, you know, or some little hint to remember that area, but GDPR and everything now we have to get the sign up. So they sign up to spot check and that means that I can text, email, phone, or call to their home. So in spot check, <laughs> we call to a couple of their homes to spot check to check oral hygiene in the bathroom. So look, we're still collecting the data on it and if I'm honest, one of the things probably was that we're cleaning the bathroom more than their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it was a bit of fun, but it was just to heighten that awareness to have a think. And then also just to put it out there on social media for to understand about what a dental hygienist does. And we don't have direct access in Ireland, so it's something I would really love to see. Yeah. So it's so that's what that was about, really. So I'll be able to tell you in the future when I get all the information because it's still ongoing. Yeah, sure. But I think it's just a great example, Siobhan, of one thing we spoke about with Kevin on Kevin Rose's podcast about the profession connecting with the public. And ultimately, we know the stats. We are treating the most prevalent preventable disease globally. We are doing a wonderful role. There are so many wonderful physicians all around the world doing a fabulous job, but we still need to advance and do more from connecting with the public. And if this spot check going to somebody's bathroom and checking their oral hygiene is something that makes people think, it's it's created some change in, in bringing the public and creating more awareness about the importance of oral health. And I think it's a wonderful example of maybe us thinking more, what can we do other than treating our patients in clinic? Um, lots of people are working on social media now, um, creating more video content, etc. But I think we constantly need to be working together to advance this, right? Yes. Yeah. And so I'm part of a TP education team and we go into the hospitals and to the universities. So with the young students there, I keep saying to them, have a think, because they've got such bright ideas. Is it an app that could be brought into the bathroom and do feedback? Or I don't know. But like for them to try and see if we can come up with different, because everything else in the world has moved, you know, in the digital world, 
there's new ideas, but we're a little bit stuck in the old ways, aren't we? So I don't know, does anybody out there have a little think? You yes, know, Liz, we'd love to very, hear. <laughs> companies will be very interested in these new bright ideas. And we probably do have the answers, but we just need to think about it a little bit more. That Actually, you've just uh, touched on something quite interesting. You know, companies, because as well, you think, oh, I'll do this out. And we, I was speaking um, with Rachel England the other day um, about us doing lots of volunteering work. And I know you've mentioned now you're doing lots of pro bono work and um, around the coaching. But we volunteer a lot of our time for zero return because we love our profession. And we know that work on societies is going to further the profession. So we don't mind doing doing it. But when it comes to projects to make it sustainable, we do need to recognize that it does need to fund itself in a way down the line. You've t- you've you've got a lot of things off the ground. Have you got any advice for the listeners on way to maybe financially support projects? Well, you definitely reach out to the companies because there's some fantastic educators within the companies that are only delighted to reach out and give you a hand and even they have a lot of advice also but regarding you know like even just say if you're going out to the community to do a workshop one of the things when I started um, because I didn't have any patients and 50% of the population don't attend practice so I brought the workshops out into the community but I couldn't fund them with all the toothbrush, it was too expensive for me. So I did reach out to the companies and they were so supportive, you know. Um, so that that's the advice I, w- I would give there, really. Yeah, reach out to industry and they are, and they've supported me in a huge way through so many projects I've got off the ground. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Don't hold back, do reach out. But they love new ideas. They'd only be delighted. And they're always searching and looking for them themselves. So I think if somebody came to them, they'd even be more delighted. Yeah. Um, even, again, going back to when I go into the universities, I tell the students, reach out to the company straight away, ask for your samples. You know, I get what I say to one person within the class, each one of you, you reach out to one of the company, get your little sample box ready for when you go out into practice. Because, again, the companies are only delighted to get these samples into um, students or clinicians' hands, you know? Yeah. Can I actually ask you, since I know you do work with a number of industry um, companies, we spoke about this previously, but I know when I first qualified, my reservations about maybe reaching out to companies was I didn't want to appear biased. Yes. Now, this is something I think is quite a relevant topic because we don't necessarily want to appear biased from our own professional standpoint. Have you got any advice for the listeners on this, Siobhan? Well, Victoria, my own personal opinion is that I will always remain independent and I will work with all of the companies. People find that a little bit strange because they say, oh, well, you were working for such and such, and now you're working. So I say I always remain independent. Um, the companies are absolutely fantastic. Um, I've worked with quite a lot of them yeah, down through the years. Sometimes I'll do contract work for a few months. But I think for me, it's important to remain independent, that I can reach out to any of them. 
And again, even with dental CPD that, you know, I work with all the companies there. So I'm never going to be just, you know, like people say, you're the TP girl. But I'm, you know, I work with TP, I'm on the education team, but that's not to say that I don't have other incidental brushes. I don't just have that one product. I have a array of products. All products are developed because there's a lot of research behind them and they work, all of them work. And one of the things I would say, whatever equipment that you have will work well, but you must be trained in it. And if you're not confident, get yourself on a course to find out how to use it. So you don't use one particular product or one particular type of equipment. Yeah, I, I that's such great advice, Siobhan, because remaining independent, I think, clarifies or it certainly sits well within my, me listening to you talking now, and I'm sure the listeners, that kind of debunks any maybe concerns people have about appearing biased working within a company. We are our own individual clinicians. We are individuals. Um, yeah. And working equally with the fabulous industry that surrounds us supports our advancements as a profession, as clinicians, to support the public oral health. So thank you so much for that bit of advice. I think that's gold. I think it's gold. <laughs> so listeners, please remember that because, yeah, I think it's very important. Now, just one other point I'd like to touch on that I know you hold very dear to your heart is us as clinicians looking after ourselves and our well-being. Can you just expand on that? What do you feel should be the main focus points for us as clinicians, Siobhan? Well, one of the things for me definitely has been posture and I've had repetitive strain injury on my shoulder for the last 10 years that I've really tried, you know, I've really struggled with. So, you know, postural well-being, Marie McIntosh is out there at the moment. She's gone back to study and she's about to put a course together. Um, and Marie has helped me greatly the last couple of months and just showing, if you'll see her on YouTube where she's doing clips now. And well, I, I've been to consultants, to physios, but I think one of the things is that Marie really understands how we're sitting in the chair and giving you really good little tips and tricks there. The other thing about well-being is, I suppose, just the mind, where we're at, how to look at things differently. So Susan Dennis is an Ikigai coach. And so when we did the program, I took so much away from that. Like even just one thing, like the phone was buzzing all the time, the WhatsApp was going, the messages, the emails. Were, and I was literally been controlled by the phone. So she said, why are you letting the phone control you? You need to turn it off. And you have your own, you give your time allocation to checking your messages or your email or doing social media. And one nice little tip is that she says, before you do that, do something nice for yourself. So it could be like just massage your hands with cream, if you, you know, or when you're washing your hands in the surgery, you put your cream on, but just to be mindful of where you are and what you're doing. And the other little thing is the green dots. So we call the green dots I have on my phone stuck on the front of it. So it's a reminder for me that when I go to go on the phone, do I really need to go on this phone? 
Do I really need to go on social media? So it makes me think, no, actually, I don't. I'll leave that to my slot that I've allocated it to. Or the other little thing is um, you could have a green dot on your computer just to remind yourself just to take a little bit of time out, to breathe before you walk out to get that patient. So there's lots of little tips and tricks that we go through. I love and what you're approaching on here. It's it's so relevant, isn't it? Yeah, and it really is just about being mindful, isn't it? About mm-hmm. where we are in the present time, what we're going through, and, and breathe. And breathe. <laughs> makes such a difference doesn't it I mean I do lots of yoga and yeah actually spending that time to breathe you feel so much better yeah or if you're really stressed out like even just shake your hands and do the like wow do you know what I mean like just to get it out of you and don't be holding it in because Definitely down through the years, I've been running around that surgery in it. You know, we're we're like actresses, aren't we? So you're inside. Nearly We've got this. Around. It's all fine. <laughs> and then you're ready to scream. You walk out to the waiting room. And you, hi, Victoria. Would you like to come through? You know, so we kind of do carry our emotions and what we're going through, and we have to because yeah, we're professional. Of course, but we we have to be mindful to really reach in and look after ourselves. So that's where I'm really at at the moment. That's why I would work with um, clinicians at the moment. And that's definitely what the the NSK Ikigai program is all about. Apart from looking at dentistry and, you know, we, we do the hands-on and diagnosis and treatment planning and keep the new classification because everybody's still struggling with that a little bit. Yeah. But it's all about well-being. And then we're just going to introduce a new little coaching section into that as well. So, yeah, that's where that's about now. Well, what a beautiful way to end this podcast, us looking after ourselves. And it's interesting because it's a thread that seems to um, align with um, Memnia Theodora's podcast recording, which is a journey that she took where she found what she wanted, what mattered to her in life, and making that work for you. Um, Fiona Elwood's podcast on mentoring, your podcast now as well, recognising who we are and looking after ourselves essentially with the end goal to reach our full potential. So thank you so much, Siobhan, for what you've shared today. And listeners, Please reach out to Siobhan. I know she's very active on social media when she when it's the right time. Um, <laughs> she has her website, which all the details will be in the about section about the podcast. So do read any links and further things that we've discussed within this to connect with what Siobhan's been speaking about. But just before we end the podcast, it is the Smile Revolution Fire Round. Siobhan, where would you like to see our profession five years from now? I would like to see our profession working fully as teams. Um, Not just individuals functioning within the team, but teams coming together, really understanding and working together. And just having that calmer, easier, nicer day that will radiate through to look after that patient. And I still think largely 
it's word of mouth out there for patients. So if we can get that right and get patients coming through that channel and just minding ourselves and being kind to ourselves. What a beautiful way to end. Thank you, Siobhan. Thanks, Victoria. Thanks for the opportunity. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, rate it and leave a review. Please email me on info at smile-revolution.net. I can't wait to learn how this recording has impacted you. And lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe and follow Smile Revolution on social media for more content. Please engage in the comments section. I will read all and respond to as many as possible. The podcast audio is available on all major platforms and video content on the podcast can now be found on the Smile Revolution YouTube channel. To stay up to date on all Smile Revolution projects, subscribe to the Smile Revolution newsletter by emailing info at smile-revolution.net stating subscribe to newsletter. Thanks for joining me and being part of the Smile Revolution.